Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for saying hi. Welcome to Sprott Inc.'s 2021 Annual Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for your questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by the zero for operator assistance at any time. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded today, February 25, 2022. On behalf of the speakers that follow, listeners are cautioned that today's presentation and the responses to questions may contain forward-looking statements within the meaning of the safe harbor provision of the Canadian Provincial Securities Law. Forward-looking statements involve risk and uncertainties, and undue reliance should not be placed on such statements. Certain material factors or assumptions are implied in making forward-looking statements, and actual results may differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. For additional information about factors that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations and about material factors or assumptions applied in making forward-looking statements, please consult the MDNA for the quarter and SPOT's other filings with the Canadian and U.S. security regulators. I will now turn the conference over to Mr. Peter Groskoff. Please go ahead, Mr. Groskoff. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. On the call with me today is Whitney George, the President of Sprott, our CFO, Kevin Hibbert, and John Champaglia, the CEO of Sprott Asset Management. Our 2021 annual results were released this morning and are available on our website, where you can also find our financial statements and MD&A. I'll start on slide four. It was a great year for Sprott overall in 2021, despite the lackluster performance of gold and silver. Every division performed well and exceeded their objectives. This was reflected in our asset base, which continued to grow and hit new record levels of approximately 20 billion US. Our financial metrics improved and grew across the board as well. Our managed equity segment did well in 2021. Relative performance is strong over the past few years, and we believe it recently turned the corner on net sales. Sprott is well positioned for a resurgence of investor interest in metals, now supplemented by the rapid expansion of interest in carbon transition minerals, which will become a new area of focus for the firm. To that end, in July, we acquired Uranium Participation Corp and launched the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which quickly established us as the leaders in physical uranium management. The growth of SPUT has been truly impressive and is now a $2 billion fund. Also, we recently expanded our lending platform with a successful $700 million close of the Sprott Private Streaming and Lending Fund. Our Canadian and U.S. brokerages also delivered meaningful contributions in 2021. Sprott is well positioned for this current environment and we continue, we continue to be focused on delivering outstanding performance. With that, I'll pass it over to Kevin for a look at our financial results for the quarter. 
Thanks, Peter, and good morning, everyone. I'll start on slide five, which provides a summary of our AUM as at December 31st, 2021. AUM this quarter was $20.4 billion, up $1.4 billion, or 8% from September 30th, 2021, and was up $3.1 billion, or 18%, from December 31st, 2020. Throughout the year, we benefited from strong inflows to our physical trusts and lending strategies. Notably, we added more than $1.7 billion of AUM to our physical silver trust, primarily in the first half of the year, and nearly $1 billion to our newly formed physical uranium trust in the second half of the year. Importantly, these inflows, along with increased commitments in our lending segment, more than offset market value depreciation encountered across our fund products as gold and silver struggled to keep pace with other asset classes in the year. Slide six provides a brief look into our three and 12 month earnings. Despite the tough global precious metals and equities market in 2021 that Peter alluded to earlier, adjusted base EBITDA in the quarter was $17.7 million up $3 million, or 20%, from the three months ended December 31st, 2020. And on a full-year basis, adjusted base EBITDA hit a record $64.1 million, up $19.9 million, or 45% from last year. This year's financial results truly demonstrate the strength and resolve of our business model, as well as our ability to provide sustained value for our shareholders through various market cycles. Throughout the year, for example, we benefited from not just the strong inflows into our physical trusts and lending products I described a few moments ago, but also from very robust mining equity origination activity in the first half of the year in our Canadian brokerage, strong ongoing AUM development in our U.S. brokerage, and even managed to produce a higher year-over-year result in our managed equities division, despite a tough year for mining equities overall. For more information on our revenues, expenses, and EBITDA, you can refer to the supplemental information section of this presentation, as well as our fourth quarter 2021 MD&A filed earlier this morning. So with that said, I'll pass things over to John. Great. Thanks, Kevin, and uh, good morning to everybody. I'm very happy to share the full the quarter and the full year results for the exchange listed product suite, and I think it's, it's fair to say that uh, we had a, a very strong year that built on the success that we saw in 2020. Uh, starting off with Q4, we had $646 million of net inflows, and for the full year, the inflows were $3.1 billion, uh, and that was up $300 million from the prior year. It was an interesting year last year, and it was really dominated by two themes. In the first half of the year, it was really about our silver trust, and when that slowed down, the baton was passed over to our physical uranium trust. Those two funds accounted for the vast majority of the sales last year, while, while gold, the gold trust had a fairly quiet year as people were focused on risk-on risk assets. I can say, though, that the start of 2022 um, in, in less than two months has been very active on both the gold side and the uranium side as investors are coming back to physical gold um, and the interest we're seeing in uranium has, has remained quite robust. 
Um, year to date, our sales um, are approaching 400 million in, in the physical trusts, and so we've got a good uh, good start to the to the year. Just for a little bit of context around the physical uranium trust, we acquired the vehicle in. July of last year, it was $630 million of AUM, 18.1 million pounds of U308. Um, as of last night, we were at 2.1 billion and 46.1 million pounds of U308. So the trust has grown enormously, and this, this scale effect has incented and encouraged more and more institutions to get involved in the sector, because quite frankly, there aren't many ways to get invested in the sector, given it's gone through a nine-year bear market where a lot of companies have disappeared. Um, so we, we remain very bullish on the uranium sector. Last year was really about the breakout of, in the spot market. Um, we, we do believe that we had a true price inflection after many years going sideways and down. And this year will really be about the inflection point in the term market where utilities typically buy uranium to meet long-term needs. We're starting to see utilities move. They are becoming more concerned about security of price and supply. And we've already seen a number of very large um, contracts in the market so far in 2022. I think Cameco's recent announcement that they've contracted 40 million pounds so far this year is a very bright signal to us relative to the 30 million they did for the entire 2021 calendar year. So we continue to see uh, institutional interest as well as retail interest in, in the sector, not just in the physical, but also in the uranium stocks. And I think the geopolitical risks that we're seeing this year, whether that's from Kazakhstan or Ukraine, is, is obviously adding to concerns about an already vulnerable supply chain and a constrained sector in terms of supply. So we remain quite positive there. Just moving to the next slide, I want to share a little bit of competitive data around flows into gold and silver. And I think last year, the recognition in the marketplace um, was very nice to, to, to see. It was very rewarding to finally see the market differentiate uh, the, the, our products versus some of the, the, the larger competitors. And the, I think the results speak to that very nicely. Um, our, our physical commodity funds are 100% backed by physical. And last year, that was important for many investors. We also have a physical redemption feature, which is another important feature that investors appreciate, and it really and it really it really borne out in our results. If you look at the gold funds last year, as I said, it was a quiet year for gold funds, with most funds being negative for the year. The Sprott Physical Uranium Trust had just over 300 million in net flows, um, compared to minus 10.8 billion for the Spider Gold Trust. The R assets tend to be more sticky because our product structure is different than, than these other ETFs. And if you look at the silver funds, um, that's where we really punched above our weight. Uh, the sales into the Sprout Physical Silver Trust at 1.756 billion um, were multiples higher than any of the competitors. And you can see the largest fund in the category was actually at minus 424 million for the calendar year. Um, this is a really important distinction and allows us to compete with differentiated offerings that are unique and innovative and shareholder friendly. And we're very glad the market's recognizing this. Just moving to the next slide. Uh, in November, we announced the acquisition of the North Shore Global Uranium Mining ETF. The ticker is URNM on New York. 
Um, we are in the middle of a proxy solicitation process to get shareholders to vote for this transaction, and we're about halfway through. There is a 50% quorum, and most of these shareholder solicitations are long drawn out affairs. Um, unfortunately, a lot of shareholders do not uh, vote proxies, but we're very committed to getting this over the line. We're about halfway there, and we've recently had to adjourn the meeting to March 23. So if you are a shareholder, please encourage you to look at your proxy package and, and uh, make your vote count. The assets in the fund are down from late last year to about $700 million. Um, but I would comment that the shares outstanding, I think, are an all-time high. So as the fund has come down in price, we've actually seen share, shareholders buying into it. So that's a very positive sign. And with that, I will pass it over to Whitney. Thank you, John, and good morning, everybody. Um, well, managed equities uh, was resting last year uh, while the rest of the firm was um, firing on all cylinders, um, but that was not a bad thing. As Peter mentioned, it was a challenging market for um, precious metals, gold and silver, and even more so for the, under, the equities. Um, our, our funds um, held up reasonably well, uh, remained competitive with all of their peers. Our AUM was down just slightly, uh, I'd say flattish, um, and that comprised of very modest redemptions, um, uh, some negative performance, and then some additions in the fourth quarter uh, with new products uh, that we added to the platform. Um, this year uh, looks to be, so far, a little bit more exciting. We have some positive cash flow uh, coming in and, um, and positive performance, which is, uh, relative to the rest of the market, uh, dramatically positive. So um, I think maybe this year could be managed equities time. We have the uh, deepest bench, uh, the most um, experienced team. I think I noticed yesterday in the board presentation the, um, the, the, uh, the tenures, 375 years of experience amongst the team that we have. Um, we have technical analysts, we have geologists, um, and I think we know our space as well as anybody on the planet and look forward uh, for uh, better trading conditions in 2022. And that's my report. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Whitney. Turning now to slide 11 to look at our private strategies. Our combined lending and streaming uh, strategies AUM was $1.4 as of year-end, with considerable dry powder for further investments. In 2021, weaker originations by our lending funds were offset by strong flows into our private resource and streaming strategy which raised $400 million on the year and completed a $700 million final close in Q1 2022. And uh, those amounts are not cumulative. Um, the streaming team has deployed $145 million to date uh, through a number of different transactions and continues to be very busy. Looking ahead, we expect to continue to expand our lending business in 2022 through the launch of a couple of new strategies. I'll move now to slide 12 for a look at the brokerage segment. Both the Canadian and U.S. brokerage businesses delivered strong contributions in 2021. The Canadian broker in particular benefited from strong origination activity in the first half of the year. The team is focused on diversifying their coverage to include energy transition and specialty minerals. And our U.S. broker continued to generate new sales of fee-based products. Their transition from an AUA 
to an AUM business model is almost complete and they have become a unique and value-added channel for the introduction of new clients to the firm. Turning now to slide 13 for some final comments. We're pleased to have delivered these strong results in 2021. During the year, gold was held back um, by the strong equity markets, in our opinion, and um, the 60% increase in the 10-year Treasury rate and perceptions of an increasingly hawkish Federal Reserve. In 2022, the backdrop for precious metals has become increasingly supportive. Inflation has surged above 7%, and the Federal Reserve, in our opinion, risks losing credibility if they don't act convincingly. The record balance sheets of the Fed and over $300 trillion of global debt balances have increased systematic risks and the policy for potential for policy errors, and recently geopolitical risks are rising considerably, uh, recently accumulating in the uh, culminating in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And all of this has heightened investor demand for safe havens. In response, the gold price has convincingly broken to the upside of its recent trading range. The launch of uh, SPOT marked a step out for SPOT into the complementary mineral sector. Uh, we have since expanded the business with the agreement to inquire URNM. And as usual, we remain active in reviewing additional add-on funds and the consolidation of niche managers in our focus areas. That concludes our remarks for today's call, and I'll turn it back to the operator for some Q&A. Operator? Thank you. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Our first question comes from Rasib Banji with TD Securities. Your line is open. Good morning. Um, if I could just start on the, uh, the North Shore Global Uranium Miners ETF. Um, in terms of timing, um, would you expect that to happen maybe in the middle of Q2 or is it more towards the end of Q1 uh, acquisition? Yeah, hi. Um, well, it's impossible to know because it's, it's completely dependent on getting the quorum met. Uh, so shareholders are, are voting uh, in favor of it, you know, 97% in favor of it. We just have to reach the, 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 the 50% quorum. Um, we are hopeful that over the next four to six weeks, we, we will be able to reach that quorum. Um, we have, are actively engaging with shareholders and encouraging them to vote, and that's, that's our hope right now and plan is that in the next four to six weeks we can, we can get there. Okay, makes sense. And uh, the, the lower AUM for, for, for that ETF, I guess that will be a benefit to the purchase price. Uh, would that be fair? Um, we, haven't released the, we haven't released the terms of the transaction yet, and then that's forthcoming, so why don't we leave that for for another day, but I think we're, we're still very comfortable with where the AUM is. Um, it's, a, it's about 
not uh, it's not that far off from when we announced the transaction, um, and we 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 feel comfortable with the with the transaction structure. Okay, understood. Um, and if I could pivot to the the private strategies, so the streaming and royalty funds uh, final close. Um, just to make sure I understood this right, the seven hundred million final close. Um, is that on top of the four hundred million that the funds raised this year? No, that's all. Uh, as I as I mentioned, uh, not not cumulative. It's it's the final close which occurred during this year. Okay, so I guess in Q one twenty two, then should we expect inflows of roughly three hundred million uh, from the private fund? Yeah, I'll let Kevin confirm that because I'm not sure of the exact timing. But Kevin. Yeah, it's gonna. It's all gonna depend on on when the the capital is ultimately called into the funds. So, so you close on these you close on these deals. You get your institutional clients in, um, and then the next goal is to uh, have time, term sheets signed by the uh, the uh, the borrowers or the entities that will eventually borrow or use um, streaming or royalty uh, economics to fund themselves. Um, so it's really going to be at the point that they actually utilize it that you'll see it show up as AUM. Um, so just keep in mind, you know, just like we say in our um, uh, our um, key performance indicators, um, we say that the net inflows when it comes to um, the private strategies are based on when the capital is actually called into the fund. So that's that's really the the, the, the focus mm -hmm. point there, um, as I mentioned to Graham before too, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, just going to your performance fees then, um, would you be able to quantify how much of your AUM is uh, capable of driving performance fees? And then if you can give some color on which funds or which areas drove performance fees for, for this quarter. Right. So, um, I won't go into all that detail because that's actually in the MDNA. If you look at uh, page 11 in the annual report, we actually uh, provide um, the detail into exactly which fund categories uh, generate the performance fees. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, just look at the footnotes underneath the table, and they, they actually list them all out there. Uh, okay. Yeah, I see them now. Okay, perfect. Um, and just my look. Last question. Um, if I go to your summary financials, the the trailer, sub-advisor, and other fees line item, um, I think you're breaking out direct payouts uh, as a new disclosure for this quarter. Um, so just wondering if you can give some color on what drives direct payouts over there, and then any color on uh, trailer fees, because they were uh, modestly higher from what they were running at over the last four to eight quarters. Yeah, so um, the direct payouts are simply payouts that we have on our uh, management fee line. They come from primarily two areas, our brokerage segment and our managed equity segment. Um, so we just broke that out to provide a little bit more disclosure of uh, what the offsets are that are on the management fee line um, versus the offsets that you would see, that you typically are used to seeing on the trailer and sub-advisor and other line. Um, with regard to the trailer sub-advisor and other fees line being a little higher than the previous years, I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, I just, all I can recall right now is it's not the trailers and it's not the sub-advisor, it's the other piece, but I, I just can't recall right now 
what exactly it was. So send me an email and I'll, I'll, I'll flip you the details. Okay, sounds good. Well, uh, those are all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder to ask at this time, please press star then one on your touchtone telephone. And really, Sean, no further questions. It looks like we have a follow-up from Lasith Vanji with TD Securities. Your line is open. Thanks. Uh, sorry. So, uh, just one more question. The compensation ratio, uh, I think you flagged it as 39% for the year, uh, right. which is lower versus 44% for last year. Um, yeah. Is this, would this be a reasonable run rate, or should we expect some, uh, some uptick here uh, over this year? Yeah, I, I would say no. It's not a reasonable run rate. I think if you're if you're modeling net comp expense going forward, you want to stay in the neighborhood of forty five percent. I think that's that's a safer bet. Okay. Yeah, but it's going to oscillate from time to time, um, just like anything else. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. And this concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the call back over to Peter Groskopf for closing remarks. Thank you, operator. Well, I guess uh, the snowstorm probably uh, had everybody, um, you know, kind of busy this morning. So it's a short call. Uh, we do appreciate your interest. We look forward to reporting to you at the next quarter. And uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, operator. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now connect. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.